0: good afternoon i am so excited this is veronica and this is the first podcast um what do you call it
1: podcast conversation
0: yes 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 and i have for for black and white and shades of green and today i'm with sophie morales and um i just want to welcome you sophie i'm so excited i am um So this is, we're in the middle of Hispanic Heritage Month and um, I wanted to bring Sophie on to just discuss her experience um, and, and discuss identity and faith and race and heritage and where all of those intersect for her. And um, I'm just hoping that we have some great conversation today. We always do, and I love her. She's a very special young woman. So, welcome today, Sophie.
1: Hi, welcome. I'm so excited to be here. Thank Good. you for inviting me.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So I want to, um, I want to ask you, what is Hispanic Heritage Month, and um, like, what does it mean to you? What would you want? listeners to hear and understand about hispanic heritage month
1: yeah well i think it's a great opportunity um to kind of put a highlight or a focus on a culture that plays a huge role especially here in the united states um there is a lot of wonderful contributions that people of um, latin american heritage have um, have made on, on the country and in the culture and so i think it's an opportunity for people to celebrate that, and people who may not have a great understanding of what it means um, to be Latin American, to um, you know have a have a moment or a glance of what that culture looks like, um, and kind of a window into to what that is, and to, to, to share in in some of the um, the cultures and the exciting things that um, that it means to be uh, Latin American or Hispanic
0: that's that's awesome and I'm glad you answered in that way because I do I am aware that there is some controversy around the the name Hispanic Heritage Month um, and I wanted to ask you what your thoughts are and just for our listeners I'll expound a little bit. I know that there are some some people who are not quite comfortable with Hispanic others not quite comfortable with Latino. Or um, Latin X? Am I saying that correctly? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that the last one is the one that's being floated around now. But mm-hmm. um, can you talk to me a little bit of, about like why there is um, there's this controversy around how how people want to identify and, and how this this month should be seen?
1: Yeah, I think first of all, it's really important to note that as humans. Um, all of us exist with this sort of longing to be known. Um, and as Christians, we know that the only way to kind of have that longing fulfilled is through Christ, right? Knowing yeah. Christ, knowing God is the only way to be really known. Um, he knows us so intimately, and, and so that is ultimately the, the most satisfying um, relationship um, we can we can experience here. But even outside of um, the Christian kind of bubble, if you will, or those um, within the family of believers, people are seeking to be known, to be recognized, to be understood. And so I think names are really important. Um, What you name your children, what you name your club, if you've ever been a part of any kind of group or club um, growing up, um, names are really important. There's a lot of um, meaning behind them. In scripture, we see there was tons of thought put into the names of of the people we read about. Um, And so I think with this, um, people who are part of this community, um, you they want it to be an accurate representation of who they are. Um, and so basically to give you just a little bit of a context, so Hispanic and Latino, I'll talk about that first because that's a little bit separate from the Latinx. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hispanic, the reason people are having a, a harder time kind of moving forward with that is because historically people have kind of just grouped everybody into... A certain name um, and people have just accepted it. So I would say there's probably a large population of Hispanic or Latino people that don't really mind too much. It's just is what it is. It's kind of how it's been. Um, but there's also a group of those people who are like, well, technically we're not really Hispanic because Hispanic is a derivative of, of Spain, Spanish. And so that's European. And so a lot of Central American people, Latin American people, um. don't always have those European roots or if they do it's kind of mixed in there and it, they don't feel like it really does justice to acknowledge their indigenous roots because majority of Latino people um, have indigenous heritage and so they're people of darker skin darker features and a just completely different historical background mm-hmm. and so a lot of Latin America today um, I in mean Central America is a combination of both you have that European, um, Hispanic heritage mixed with that Latin American, um, indigenous kind of heritage all together. So most people like myself are a mix of these things. Um, and so I think it's just important to respect whatever anybody asks you, you know, like, Oh, I'm, I'm a Latino woman. I'm a Hispanic woman. Um, you know, I personally, I have a little bit of both, you know, so my, my family, my father's from Costa Rica and in Costa Rica, there's a, Fusion of people from all over the world. Um, So there's you have that European influence. You also have that indigenous um, influence. And so um, I'm comfortable with either one, whatever anybody says. Um, And then when you take now this new movement of the Latinx movement, I think this in particular is more of a faith stance versus a kind of a preference and cultural historical stance. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the Spanish language, Latino is masculine so there is a masculine and a feminine um, version of most words most nouns Mm -hmm. and so in order to uh, say latino most words already fall automatically to the masculine form you know that's the dominant form it takes masculine so when i'm talking about a group of people i would say latinos even if there's a group you know women in that group Mm -hmm. um, because it includes all of them right Um, So Latino includes men and women, um, but a lot of people are kind of taking this stance now with the LGBTQ plus movement and that community um, wanting to be inclusive inclusive of that. And so um, from a secular perspective, it sounds great, right? Really inclusive, wanting people to feel um, empowered to be who they are, to be who they want to be. And so that Latinx is really just kind of an extension of that um, kind of what we're seeing in the world right now, just this push for inclusivity. Um, I think as a believer, we have to be firm about what we believe. And so I think I want to be super respectful of what somebody says to me. I'm not going to be hateful to somebody um, for the sake of saying I'm a Christian and I don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to, um, to to call somebody what they like to be called or to you know respect those decisions Um, And then if I'm invited into a later conversation, I don't think that saying Latinx is something that is um, necessarily in itself contrary to to what Scripture says. But I do think that it um, has the connotation of kind of supporting that type of, you know, mindset, perspective, worldview. And so I would personally probably not use Latinx as a believer, but um, I definitely want to be understanding of people um, and want people to understand that. You know, believers are here to listen and to care for them, um, to love on them well, and so um, we're not here to change anybody's mind. The Holy Spirit does that. You know, He touches hearts, and we're just faithful witnesses. So, so yeah, I think um, I think that kind of hopefully gives some context to the differences there.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. Um, so, I, I wanted to ask you, how has your relationship with Christ influenced your relationship with your? your biological and your cultural heritage and you you just talked about that a little bit but um i know there's more to your story so would you mind sharing a
1: little bit yes oh my goodness every time i think about this i feel like at this moment in my life i just kind of laugh at some of the stepping stones i had to take to really um, be able to embrace um, my culture on on both ends so i was born the daughter of an immigrant father um, and a young american mother Um, And that's who I was born as, you know. So my my father's from Costa Rica, and he was fleeing a a violent situation and came here when he was young, uh, along with his mother and his siblings. And um, he fell in love with my mother, and um, the rest is history. Um, Unfortunately, they were both very young, um, pretty immature, um, and were making pretty poor decisions. Um, And I think as with anybody, you know, you are— Normally a product of your environment Um, for the most part in some ways. I think you can definitely kind of make decisions um, To kind of choose the life for yourself. Um, You don't have to be necessarily uh, forever a product of things, but we all have Baggage and things that we carry from the experiences that we we've had and so my parents were definitely um, no exception Um, I was adopted Um, by a family member, um, after that at some point. Um, and it was final when I was about six years old. Um, it was a very interesting childhood. So after I was adopted, um, the
0: the adoption was when you were six?
1: Yes. So I, so the adoption was final when I was about six years old. Um, And I, um, before that, kind of still popped around house to house. Um, Things just weren't super set in stone. But I started living with the family who adopted me when I was around two or three. Uh Um, And so it just took a while for those proceedings to kind of fully close and things. Um, So my name was changed um, after that um, adoption was final. And so um, what's really interesting is that um, I was living with my biological father when I was really young, like a baby, um, you know, toddler. And so they have, my biological family has pictures of me, you know, in that household, um, you know, with just a very different kind of, um, environment than the one that I ended up growing, growing up in. And so my adopted parents, um, were both American and they're from the South, have some very strong opinions about a lot of things. Um, and I think, Uh, that for me was really challenging because I was basically kind of taught hey you don't ask questions we don't talk about you being adopted Um, we don't tell anybody that you're adopted my features aren't really foreign enough for people to notice you know Um, my skin is lighter I have green eyes um, a trait that I got from my biological mother Um, people don't really ask questions you know and so it wasn't like I stood out and that it was not obvious. So my, my, my adopted parents kind of just kept hiding that Mm -hmm. instead of kind of allowing me to, um, get to know like my personal story and, and my history. I was kind of asked to kind of keep that quiet. And so growing up, I, I remembered my parents. I remembered the adoption. I remembered that I was Hispanic and I just remember feeling so afraid and unable to kind of like, ask questions about that or even pursue that and so by the time I was in high school I had all of this built up kind of frustration mm-hmm. and confusion in my heart and so um, I actually reconnected with my biological father in high school and I remember thinking wow my whole life I have just missed out on this beautiful and rich culture that um, I just I haven't been able to be a part of this community like um, I just I've missed out on it and so I <laughs> in my immaturity um, I had a lot of, actually did have a lot of Hispanic friends, um, in the school that I grew up in. And so I remember I was like observing them I was like, what did they do so that I can be that, you yeah. know? Um, and so instead of really taking, I don't know, trying to understand culture in a good way, I kind of, you know, took the route of like, what are the stereotypes and let me be that stereotype. Yeah. So I remember my hair is naturally dark Brown, but I dyed it black. I started wearing big hoop earrings, eating spicy Cheetos. Like I I'm telling you, I didn't I don't know what I was doing. This was like a, a crisis. It was like a crisis in my life. This was the way that I thought that I was yeah. going to be able to connect yeah. with my with my heritage, which is obviously problematic. I'm sure there's a a gazillion, you know, Latinos that would be like, "What? are you even talking right, about, right. but it is, it's a stereotype. Mm-hmm. And that's where my mind went, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at 15 confused, never having really had the ability to connect that culture and that heritage. Um, and so that's what I did for a while. Um, and then eventually I praise the Lord, um, came to know the Lord, um, on a deeper level and, uh, kind of gave my life to him, um, and started walking with him. And what's really interesting is that I kind of gave up that idea of, like, my identity has to be in, you know, my, my culture, my my heritage, um, my Latino-ness. Like, um, I kind of, like, put that on the back burner and allowed the Lord to start yeah. kind of working mm-hmm. in my heart and doing the work of all the issues that were going on beneath the surface. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is that even though that's the case, um, you know, I was able to learn my identity above all is as a believer is in Christ. Like I'm a daughter of, of God. Um, he has adopted me into his family. Like he is my father and that's my identity before anything. And so <laughs> that should shape everything else about my life, you know? Um, and all the other things are great. And we want to celebrate culture and differences because heaven's going to be like that. We're mm-hmm. going to have people of different nations and tongues and tribes, and it's going to be beautiful. But our, Um, our identity is in Christ and our our mission and our goal is ultimately to glorify him. And so it was really cool to get to be able to follow the Lord um, and just kind of like lay myself down, deny myself in that way for just a season and say like, okay, this is not the most important thing here right now. Um, And I still had a lot of questions, but it didn't feel as burning inside of me as it had for those years because the Lord kind of filled those things. You know, He saw me. He saw, um, you know, all of the years that I had lived, the way that I had been feeling, and he kind of started healing those things. Um, And then he actually gave me the opportunity to kind of dive back in Mm -hmm. in a new and refreshed way um, to Latin American culture in general as a whole. I love the opportunity, when I get the opportunity to learn about different cultures from all parts of the world, all places, even within the United States. Mm -hmm. There's so many subcultures that you can dive into and learn about and um, participate in. But uh, specifically, I had a special place for Latin American um, heritage culture um, because that's kind of the, the pieces I feel like I, I didn't um, get growing up. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord actually sent me to Mexico uh, on a mission trip. And I remember um, I'm a student at the seminary, and I wanted to do missions. I was like, I want to—that's uh, what I feel called to do. I want to be a missionary. I want to go to Africa, Indonesia. I want to go to the mountains of China— Uh, I was like set. I'm like, you send me out there in the middle of nowhere and I'll be fine. And I remember um, our church actually offered, they're like, how about I send you to Mexico for a week? And I was like, (laughs) uh, okay, like great opportunity to go serve. You know, I love to serve. No big deal. I'll go to Mexico. And I was thinking, you know, Mexico, like...
0: It's just, not far away. Yeah, now. it's not. It's not enough far away. It's like next door. I'm like, if I'm not go... like real missionary stuff.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know that's so silly. But I was just like, no, I want to go like way out there. And I was like, if I'm going to go to like a Latin American country, I'm going to go to Costa Rica because that's where my family lives. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I went down to Mexico and it was really cool. Um, I just loved it. I remember the first few days I was there and I was like, I'm not going to love this place. Like, I just know inside of me, I was like, no, Sophie, calm down. Like, you're going to go home. Everything's going to be the same. <laughs> um, and anybody who I feel like has gone on any kind of mission trip, you'd never come back the same. Um, the people you meet and the experiences you have, um, they always change you. But I specifically loved Mexico. I loved the people that I got to meet there in that community. Um, and so they invited me back for a few more weeks uh, in the summertime. Uh, actually met my husband through that process um very unexpectedly uh i feel like that's another story for another time (laughs) but um if i could have picked my husband out of a catalog it would have never been the man that i married but i'm super thankful um he's uh he's everything i needed uh everything i prayed for Mm -hmm. even though i probably wouldn't have imagined him exactly that way Mm -hmm. um it's been a a challenging process, you know, he's a Mexican citizen, and I'm an American citizen, and so um, definitely been some challenges there, but I'm so grateful um, that I went to Mexico that week trip, because it it really has changed my life, Um, and I've grown a lot in my appreciation for Mexican culture specifically, Latin American culture as a whole, um, and it's definitely helped me grow a lot as a person.
0: That's great. That's great. So let me Let me just talk to you a little bit um, just about your experience in the church, because you you did mention that you don't have obvious features that are ethnic, mm-hmm. and um, you grew up in an, in an environment where it was um, where you were encouraged to not to explore mm-hmm. your your identity and um on the one hand some might ask well you know why does it even matter Mm -hmm. since you didn't grow up in in the culture and um no one can look at you and and see that you have a a different ethnic background um but tell me like as far as what you've seen in the church and in christian environments because that kind of gives you a a a really um a unique perspective because Mm -hmm. You could be around people who don't know who might say or do things that they didn't know, you know, if they would have known they would not say those things. Yes. Or or maybe, you know, you, you haven't had any experiences like that. Could you share what that's been like for you to to have um, Latino heritage, history, culture, blood mm-hmm. and not look that way and be in Christian environments and, and what that's been for you.
1: Yeah. I think, um, ugh, like I was saying earlier, it was definitely something so frustrating because I would look in the mirror and I'd be like, this is part of me. Like I'm a Latino woman. Like this is a part of who I am. And I don't feel like I see it reflected in the mirror. And that was a really challenging thing that I had to work through and praise the Lord that he gives us grace. Um, uh, as we walk through things sometimes, um, when our eyes are a little bit blinded, um, I think before I talk more specifically about within the church, I think the culture in general um, doesn't always do a good job of letting people know that there are other ways, like, or other types of a certain thing. Like, not all Latin American people are, you know, very dark skinned with brown eyes. There's a huge variety within, um, you know, Latin Central America um, that. There are redheaded people with blue eyes. There are white people with freckles and green eyes. There are, you know, there are um, uh, African-American people, black people that are, um, that are Latinos from different parts of, of, um, of the world. And, and so I think like people typically, especially here in the States kind of have one sort of idea when you say that somebody is Latin American or Hispanic um, and they get this kind of image in their head And they think that's kind of it. And that's what I had in my head because I was like, I don't look like that. And so how am I, you know, going to identify with this culture because I don't look like that. Um, And I was so frustrated for so long because I I, I tried to change myself to be that. And I'm like, you know, I ended up being really frustrated because that's not who God created me to be. My features don't look like those. And so... um, kind of getting to grow up and and walk with the Lord and get to meet people um, from different places within kind of the same community but from different countries different places and really see that yeah we we all look very different um and we have you know different ways of saying things our Spanish is all a little bit different Um, the types of food we like is all a little bit different in each place um um but we're still kind of united by this this same kind of community um and just knowing that um Looking a certain way is not um, indicative of, of who you are or how much you get to partake in in this culture in this community, and so I'm really proud of of my heritage. It's it's something that I was born with, um, and I that's what I often tell people is like, yeah, it would have been really easy to just kind of ignore it and go on with my life, um, but uh, I really would have felt like I was lying to myself, um, and so. Uh, The Lord has been really good to give me opportunities to embrace this culture and um, place people in my life that have um, helped me to celebrate those parts of me despite the fact that I may look different. Um, It's been really encouraging. Within the church, I will say um, all of us who um, love the Lord, um, who are believers and, and, and walk with Him, are just humans mm-hmm. um, we are flawed in our thinking in our perspectives we are all biased we come from certain places in the world where certain thoughts are more prominent um, no matter where you're from or what you look like you have biases and you have um, experiences that are going to shape the way that you view things um, even your language is going to shape the way that you view things our, our language and our communication um, even shapes the way that we think and so it's important to remember that that no matter you know how much we reread scripture, how much time we spend with the Lord, we are just flawed people. And so um, we're all going to make mistakes. And so there needs to be grace on, on both ends. But I will say, um, I think there is really just a lack of knowledge um, about other cultures. I think, I'll split it like this. There are things that the church is doing well. I think that there has been a push. People do understand the need for, um, celebrating other cultures within the church and highlighting those things and not only just throwing up you know a poster that says oh we have latin american people here or right. or you know like hey there's black people that go to our church like okay great exactly. um that that's good but i think it's deeper than that and like actually you know saying there's a need to understand um how these cultures and these heritage not only how are they different and how can that um you know mean something different for those people in those communities, but how can that contribute something new and refreshing to the body of Christ? Like we need those differences. That's why the Lord created us differently. That's why he says in scripture that, you know, we will still be different, you know, when we, we were all in heaven, you know. So mm-hmm. it's important to know that, um, um, that those differences are, are good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the church is, is aware of that. So they're, they're becoming more aware of that need which is good that you got to start somewhere um, and people are trying. I think there's a lot of attempts um, in many places where people are trying to have more diversity. They're trying to understand. Um, and I would say I've definitely seen a huge effort um, from a lot of people and a lot of believers and, and um, just their desire to understand or to do things the right way. They, they want to do things well. Um, and so I think that's definitely something good. I would say, In this lack of knowledge, it can be challenging sometimes uh, when people will make assumptions on something that they don't know a lot about. Mm -hmm. um, Or when people make assumptions about a certain group of people without knowing that group of people, you know? Um, When you... You can't be expected. Nobody's going to ask you to come and talk about something or share about something or teach about something if you don't have... Any experience with that topic right. you know you're not going to get invited to, to speak at a college about I don't know um, harvesting plants if you've never harvested a plant before mm-hmm. you know so you need to have some kind of knowledge about something if you're gonna have an, an opinion about it scripture actually says like it's important to you know have an opinion about things but keep it between you and God unless it's you know it's necessary to share that with other people um, there's a lot of things that aren't helpful to share so be thinking before you say something um, is this helpful? Is this kind? Is this constructive? Um, would the Lord have me say this in this situation? Um, and I think a lot of times we just speak before we think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's also a lot of damaging behaviors in the church that um, specifically, and I guess I'll talk specifically to my context here in, mm-hmm. in the south of of the United States uh, where I grew up. I can just remember, so growing up, I kind of was like disguising myself, right? I grew up as, you know, a white little girl with this white American family, but on the inside, I knew that I was Hispanic. And so I was hearing comments all the time, kind of like what you mentioned, people not knowing, you know, Um, even from my own, you know, adopted parents, um, really hateful comments about people of color in general and about, you know, the Latin American community. Um, a lack of knowledge on the differences that not everybody in the Latin American community is Mexican. Mm-hmm. Not everybody, you know, is this or that. Um, just really ignorant comments. Um, even in the church, mm-hmm. things were said that just were hurtful and damaging. And it, it helps us to understand why so many people are hurt um, because people would speak before they understood. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you would say something um, to somebody... Or you wouldn't say something to somebody when they're present. Why would you say that to somebody when when they're not? You know. So if a person of color is present with you and you wouldn't say a certain thing, why would you say it to them? Or why would you say it at all? Mm-hmm. You know. And so just kind of challenging that 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 mindset. Um. But I think it really all comes down to kind of a heart issue, a position of the heart. If if you're really seeking to glory, to glorify the Lord and to serve Him, I think that He gives you wisdom, um, and encourages you to um to love well, Uh, he is that example of how to love each other. And he gives us examples, plenty of examples in scripture. And so uh, I just think people probably um, need to be more willing to have conversations, need to be more willing to um, not have an opinion about something that they, they aren't really informed about um, and just be mindful of like how their words can affect other people. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people think That they are informed about Mm -hmm. things and um, because of maybe their news sources Mm -hmm. or what they hear from from their friends and they or headlines even like without digging in and reading the entire Mm -hmm. article. Yes there's a headline and it's and of course the headlines are there to get your attention but mm-hmm. what the article says may be completely not completely different but there's a that lot the headline
1: more, can be out of context
0: yes yes, yes. and so um, i guess what would you say to to christians to encourage them to examine their their beliefs and and laying them beside god's word and finding like how how to have these kind of conversations and how to look at these things with the word of God. Because mm-hmm. I, I think that it's probably part of it that's missing as well. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, actually, so there's a really good passage in scripture that I think um, is speaks a lot to this, um, kind of this idea of like, how should we approach um, people of different cultures? Ultimately, you know, our our mission as as Christians is to take the gospel to the people who haven't heard it, and to um, serve each other well um, within the church. You know, we want to encourage one another because this is a hard journey that we're experiencing um, as believers in a broken world, you know. Um, we are longing for heaven, um, and so we need one another. And so I think a really good example we have in Scripture is Paul. Um, Paul was basically, that was his his mission, um, was to, um, you know, his responsibility was to bring the gospel and help um, others grow in the truth of the gospel um, and he took the gospel to people who were not only like himself um, you know the jews but he also took it to people who you know the scripture talks about them as, as greeks and gentiles these were people that were separated not only by a, a differing kind of religious background but they were also separated by ethnicity by culture um, and, and many other things mm-hmm. and so in acts 17 um, kind of starting in verse 16 it talks a lot about paul's interaction with um, with Athens, um, and literally in, the, in verse 16, it, it says something along the lines of, you know, when he got there, he was like stunned. He was shocked by what he saw, like appalled by the things that he saw because mm-hmm. he saw idols. There was a lot of visible idolatry. And so I think a lot of us can relate to that mm-hmm. when we go into a different culture. If you've ever, you know, um, been somewhere, for example, when I was in high school, I went to Chinatown in New York City. Um, and you know, there's lots of sub little cultures in New York city. And I remember being like, "Whoa, this is so different. I remember going by the Chinese market and seeing like the, the whole chickens just like hanging up there on the rod or the ducks with the head still on. And I was like, what is this? It was shocking because yeah. it's something very different. And so I think a lot of us, when we go into a new culture can, can feel shocked. It's not an, it's not uh, wrong to feel shocked. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> something that you're experiencing for the first time is new to you. Um, and I, I love that scripture was specific enough to say that, that he was shocked. Um, but it kind of goes on to say just kind of the, the the pattern that he tended to follow when he was visiting these places. He traveled to many different countries, many different places to share um, um, the gospel with people. And he had this pattern of first he, he took it to the Jews. He wanted to go to the people, to the synagogues, the people um, like himself. Um, and then he would go out um, into the areas that he was, specifically in Athens, Um, You know, it says that he was really observant of of the culture. So he saw, he was shocked and he was observant of the culture. He saw the differences and he he watched um, and waited until he could see kind of avenues and ways that he could connect with the people. And so the people in Athens loved to talk. Scripture literally says that they loved to debate um, all day long. Um, They didn't do anything but debate. And so Paul was able to kind of, you know, start having conversations with these people in the marketplace because he saw that that's where they, they met And uh, some of the the people from Athens would say, who is this man and what is he babbling about? Mm -hmm. And I love that um, because Paul is just babbling, you know. But he was willing to babble (laughs) with these people (laughs) to kind of jump in to these conversations that they were having um, with, not just because he wanted to or he wanted to be opposing them, but because, you know, Scripture guided him, the Lord was with him. He was fulfilling God's purpose, but he also was, you know, patient, observant. And he went in, in, in an avenue that was relevant to them, you know. Um, and so uh, his approach um, to uh, engaging these people ultimately gave him a platform later. They, they trusted him um, and they saw his willingness to not only come in there with a new attitude and a new perspective, um, but to humble himself and to be kind of um, accepted by these people to do the things, saying he's no better, you know, than these people actually saying the opposite, you know. Um, I'm nobody, but I'm here um, with this gospel message, um, because I care about you, you know, and so through His willingness to to kind of connect with that community in a way that was relevant for them, He was given a platform to then share the message He had originally intended to share, and so I think that's a great example for us. Um, and I would just encourage anybody that's a believer, all of us, the same thing. I tell myself every day, I need to have an open mind when I go out in, into my day. It can be easy when you're caught up in maybe busyness of life or Um, You you don't feel like you have time to really examine and think about things. Um, But it's important to have an open mind all the time. Because somebody may say something that kind of like raises the hair on your back of your neck. You're like, what? Why would you say that? Why Mm -hmm. would you think that? How could you even um, have that perspective or have that thought even cross your mind? Um, And we can be quick to go up in arms. People are are naturally sinful. We like to divide. um, And so it's important to say like, hey, I'm going to have an open mind today. And if somebody says something that's different or challenging to something that I may have already believed, I would just encourage believers to, to listen, to lean into that uncomfort, that discomfort and to, um, and to, and to be, to really open to listen, to having conversations, um, listen more, speak less. um, Yeah. And just um, always remember that you know, we are growing. There are things that I used to believe that the Lord has worked in my heart that I no longer believe. And so we're always in a continual process of changing our minds about things as the Lord reveals stuff to us. And so um, I'm, I'm not um, perfect today. And there'll be things that I may believe in this moment that the Lord will change, you know, as time goes on. And so I would just encourage others to do that same thing.
0: Wow. Okay. That, that was like, that was a whole sermon and a whole book. <laughs> because that no that was really great I want to go back to something that you said about Paul and as you were writing down like I mean as you were speaking what his process was I was just writing it down and comparing it to like what our typical process is when we are um, in a situation that is unfamiliar to us because the culture is different or our surroundings are different and you said that first he was shocked which Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with with being shocked he Mm -hmm. hadn't seen it before but for us if we see something that we haven't seen before, along with our shock, we have a feeling of superiority. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the shock. It's now we're feeling superior because mm-hmm. why Why would they be doing it this way? Mm-hmm. Um, next, you said that he was observant. So he saw it. He just kind of observed the people around. After, For us, we usually go right to judging. Mm-hmm. So we feel superior and we start To judge and then you said he looked for opportunities to connect that's when we start to look for reasons for us to divide Mm -hmm. this doesn't make sense this is beneath me or this is whatever how whatever it is that we however, we judge the situation negatively and we find that as a reason to for us not to engage which was what Paul did next he looked to engage the people we look to disengage mm-hmm. from people who are different from us. Yes. And then he moved forward with um, with humility, and we usually just walk on in our pride. Yes. And I, I love the way you broke that down. And um, sometimes, I, and, and it's of course, not everyone approaches different cultures that way. There are plenty of people who are open-minded, like, yes. like you encouraged us to be. But, you know, I one One of the things that I think about a lot with um, Christians is because we do believe that Jesus is the way, he's the truth and he's the light, that because we found him, then everything that we think is right mm-hmm. and we are we know all the truth, and we don't, yes, we are discovering, we are growing, we are being transformed, hopefully by his word and by yes. our walk with him. And it's easy because because of that um, us knowing Christ sometimes we just we think we know everything Mm -hmm. and um, we have the answers and we can easily get into being self-righteous and once we get there that's just pride Mm -hmm. and it's very hard to break through when someone is filled with pride because they've already decided there's nothing that I need to change there's something wrong with these people right and um, I just love the way you you broke that down, and when we talk about just engaging with people of different cultures, that's the first thing that we have to remember is we're we're supposed to be trying to find a way to connect, not yes. not repelling other people or looking for reasons to to disengage. So I just wanted to let you know that I love I love the way you said that. Um, okay, so. I'm gonna try and wrap this up. Yeah. The, I don't want to, but I'm going to. <laughs> I don't want to, but I'm going to. but I do have I do have a final question. And you talk about your adoption and what your experience was like. And um, in, in the last, I would say, I guess maybe 15, 20 years or so, it seems like there there is a, a big push within Christian churches to adopt transracially mm-hmm. as a way for us to say, you know, we don't support abortion, we mm-hmm. do support life and mm-hmm. this is our way of putting our our money where our mouth is, mm-hmm. so to speak, and walking out what we say we believe. And so in that you see a lot of Christian families adopting transracially. And um if you take some time to read about how that turns out, sometimes it doesn't turn out very well mm-hmm. because there is um, an assumption that we, we can just bring this child into our family and everything's great. And that child still has an, an identity mm-hmm. that is bigger, I guess, so to speak than just where the family wants to keep them. So with all of that, um, I don't even know if I've positioned this well <laughs> or not. But what would you say to Christian families who are considering transracial adoptions or who have already adopted a child of Hispanic or Latino heritage? What, what would you say to them?
1: Yeah, I think um, first I want to say... I think anybody considering adoption—that's no easy thing to consider. I think uh, don't take it lightly because you're um, even people who are considering, you know, to become parents for the first time of you know natural biological children. That's a, a huge responsibility. Scripture talks about children being our arrows, right? We're sending them out into the world with the hopes that you know they will go farther for the gospel and the kingdom of God than we will be able to go. We are running that race, right? And we get our kids on our backs; they're they're with us, and then at some point. You know we won't be able to run anymore and we're going to send our kids out and they're going to send their kids and so the idea that they will continue going right so having a child is a huge responsibility um and praising praising the lord that he is with us and we're not alone in that and so being a parent in general is a is a big big responsibility it's very important um when you are adopting a child in general um there's going to be a lot of that's going to be with that situation. Um, that's very different from having your own biological child. Um, when you're adopting a child, um, that from from birth, you know that child has a different background than you do, uh, for the most part. And so, even if you have a child that's a baby, you know that only knows you. Um, as that child grows, their story is still really important to them. Um, it's going to be really you know formative. And even if you're fearful um, of you know maybe. I think a lot of times probably people don't want to talk about it or don't want to embrace it um, is maybe they're fearful. They're like, this is my baby. Like, this is my child. I don't want them to go anywhere else. But I think that in, in, in those situations when you don't talk about it, it almost pushes the child away further because they don't feel comfortable. Like, this is part of who I am. Why am I not allowed to talk about this? Am I, is it wrong? Is it bad? Um, and so being able to have conversations from the time that they're able to understand that is, is good, that they're, they're different. And when you adopt a child, you are choosing to take a child into your, 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 your household, into your family, and to love them like your own. Um, now, talking about, I guess, trans-racial trans, um, um, adoption is even a little bit different. And so uh, I don't think that it is always a bad thing. I think that it can be a really beautiful thing. It can be a, a reflection of the gospel. Um, But I do think there needs to be a lot of prayer and a lot of research. I think that um, understanding the heritage and the culture where your child is going to be coming from um, or where they're connected to is so important because that's a part of that child. You know, I think all the time um, I was born into this world um, as the daughter of an immigrant father. And that shapes the person that I am today. Um, And so I want to do... You know, despite the decisions that my, my father may have made, uh, I want to honor the fact that that's who I was. That's who the Lord you know, created me. That's the means in which he created me. And so um, I feel this responsibility to kind of um, know about that and know that part of myself. And so these children are, are going to have that same desire to understand You know, culture and heritage. There's also differences. So, for example, if you are a white family and, and you are... Um, adopting a child that is um, more um, ethnic in their appearance they may have different needs um, Mm -hmm. that a white child may not have because you know textures of skin and hair and different things that they may experience will be very different their experience is going to be different than that of their parents and their siblings um, that you know um, and so it's important to reach out um, to people of that same community look for wisdom be open-minded same thing Um, Find wisdom and help. There are going to be plenty of people um, that love the Lord that are going to be willing to help you in that journey So don't try to do it by yourself surround yourself with community and um, yeah, and I just say ultimately like If that's something that the Lord's calling you to like he's gonna equip you for that Um, And yeah, so yeah, I think that's that's all I have to say about that.
0: Okay. Okay. Thank you Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we did not cover?
1: Just say, kind of in closing, um, it is such a beautiful thing to come from um, a Latin American culture. I'm so grateful for that piece of my life. Um, I feel like it is really special. Um, and so, I would just say to anybody that is interested in learning more, I think you know, race is a hot topic right now. And I, I know a, a lot of my American friends or white friends. Um, feel really uncomfortable because they don't, you know, they don't know what to say, even if they're interested and they want to learn, they feel uncomfortable. Like, how do I even start a conversation? Cause I don't want anybody to feel offended. Right. <laughs> I don't want to say the wrong thing. I'm not trying to get anybody like mad at me, you know, but I'm interested. And I would just say like, as with anything, as you're learning, you're going to make mistakes, you know, like kids grow up and you know, they're learning a language. They're not going to say things correctly in the <laughs> beginning. They're, they're going to make mistakes. Be okay with embarrassing yourself be okay with making mistakes that's how you grow that's how you learn Um, ask questions if you have them um, and respect people's answers if they say you know what i'm not comfortable talking about that that's okay respect that and you know if they say this that or the other like you may have an opinion about it but just be willing to listen and and find people that you can have those conversations with because you know however long this podcast is is not near enough time to really dig deep into the conversation it's a conversation that should be going on and Mm -hmm. you should be interested in it and so I would just encourage people to who are not people of color and who do not have experience with these um, you know types of backgrounds and these conversations who are just maybe just coming into this conversation and are wanting to learn more who love the Lord and desire to love their brothers and sisters well just um you know Read His Word, be in prayer, um, and be willing and open minded, and be willing to make mistakes. Yeah, ask questions, and um, don't take yourself too seriously, because I think that is often where kind of some of the some of the issues come up. So yeah, just be willing, um, and and yeah, and humble, um, and the Lord will He'll He'll open your eyes. He's faithful to do that.
0: Wonderful. All right. Well, this was this was just. Just wonderful for my soul. And um, I'm so glad that you took the time to talk to me and um, share your thoughts around Hispanic Heritage Month, and, which ends October 15th? Yes. Okay. And so um, thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening in. And I look forward to another conversation about where race and faith intersect. Thank you. Bye.